Practical wisdom from the first leader of the Christian Church in Jerusalem. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we study James and how to put our faith into action. Move into the book of James. So we are, we have finished James chapter 2. And we're now moving into James chapter 3. And James chapter 3 is a fascinating chapter. And there's so much to talk about here. It's going to take us a while to get through it. But we're just going to go ahead and delve into it. Uh, So let's go ahead and go into James chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. All right. So a couple things. One is right off the bat, he's talking about teachers. Secondly, he's talking about, uh, he's talking to fellow believers. So when James is writing here in chapter three, the whole book of James, but it's basically reinforcing that this isn't to the general population. This is to a a, a specific set of people who are followers of Jesus Christ, believers in Jesus Christ, want to want to be uh, followers of Jesus Christ, believers in Jesus Christ. Remember, this whole thing is about faith, so believers works there. It says, not many of you should become teachers. Now, the image that you get when you think of teacher, right off the bat, right, is your high school teacher or your, you know, your, uh, someone in, in life that sat you down in a classroom and said, okay, today we're going to learn about the Pythagorean theorem and here's all about it. You know, A squared plus B squared equals X squared or something like that. And they go around the room and they make sure that everybody has the concept of Pythagorean theorem. And once everybody does have the concept of Pythagorean theorem, then they move on. When you get into high school, of course, they, they take that, well, actually, I think Pythagorean theorem might be junior high or high school. I don't know. But it's another way to reinforce that teaching is to say, okay, why is this useful? Like, why do we want to know that A squared plus B squared equals C squared? And so you might give some practical examples in the world that give you an opportunity to learn that theory, but really learn that theory. One, you know, so for example, one of the ways you might do that is to say, okay, the flagpole is 10 feet high and you're six feet you know, away from the flagpole. How far is the base of your feet to the top of the flagpole in a straight distance? You know, And you can use the Pythagorean theorem to figure that out. You can figure out that, that slope distance or whatever, that third leg of the triangle to the flagpole. And so you get a bunch of... of um, problems or or ways to use the Pythagorean theorem in the real world. And then once you have that, then you move on in life. And uh, if you are if you are working outside and you're trying to figure out something, it's like, how many feet do I need of something? It's like, oh, yeah, I remember the Pythagorean theorem. And then you work it out. Now, probably none of you have used the Pythagorean theorem in your life. I'm I'm, a, I'm strange, but I actually have used the Pythagorean theorem hundreds, if not thousands of times in my life because it is such a f- phenomenally valuable piece of information. It's a good theorem. Uh, so I have used it quite a bit. All right. So that's what we think of when it's teaching. We're going to teach you a principle 
And then we're going to give you some practical applications of that principle. And then as you learn that principle, you will learn better and it will reinforce the importance of that principle. Let's take a look at another something. Let's say that you're learning how to drive a car. So you, you have somebody sit down and talk to you and say, okay, these are some of the principles that you need to know in driving the car. And as a matter of fact, if you go get your driver's license here in Arizona, they will test you on these principles. So you learn all the principles. But nobody ever in the world hands a set of keys to a car to somebody and says, okay, you've got all the intellectual knowledge, now go out and drive the car. No, a teacher is also somebody that takes that information and helps you learn it in the physical sense. Uh, so you have to get in the car, you have to turn it on, you have to drive around the block and you have to start learning these principles and get the feel of the car and that sort of thing. And then we turn you loose, give you a set of keys and say, okay, but are you, are you really, really proficient then at driving the car? No, you need to drive that car many, many times. One of my children, I'll never forget at age 16, we got out of a lesson that I was white knuckled and this child said, aren't I a great driver, dad? <laughs> Didn't I do that really, really well? <laughs> to which I said, for your age level and for, yes, you did very, very well, but you still need the experience of driving a car over and over again to become very, very proficient at it. I mean, that's the sort of thing you say, right? To a child that thinks that they do good all the time. Anyway, so that's what we do in the real world. We teach and then we walk along somebody. We might even demonstrate and then we walk along somebody and then we shift from our lives to their lives so that they can learn it. But for some reason, and I don't know why this is, we think about learning Christianity is just the knowledge of scripture, that it's just head knowledge, that the the teachers in our life that are teaching Christianity are fine if all they do is, is explain the Bible stories and explain the concepts of the Bible and understanding of Jesus in the Bible, and then they leave it there. And that is not true. If you have a teacher in your life or perhaps you're teaching someone scripture, it is not just the head knowledge of the words of Jesus and the actions of Jesus and the, the stories of Jesus and the stories of the Old Testament. It's not a comprehensive knowledge of that book, which we call the Bible. Teaching also has as a component to it a demonstration where if you're teaching God's word, you are living God's word. If you are telling people that they should pray, then you as a teacher should demonstrate what prayer looks like, how it looks. And you might even share some personal stories about how your prayer life has benefited you or other aspects of the Christian faith. Look at Jesus. He had his disciples around him for three years. And in that three years, yes, he got up on the Mount and he preached to the multitudes, but he didn't leave it there. He also demonstrated by his life what it meant to be 
a child of the kingdom of God, what it meant to be him. And then even on top of that, and what are the things that Jesus did? Well, he taught, he prayed, he fasted, he uh, went out into the community and found out people that were sick and that were hurting and they healed them. And then after he demonstrated all that and taught his disciples, then he said, I want you now to go out and do that. And so he sent them out two by two to go to village to village to basically what? Walk into the village, find out who, where the hurting is and the needs are, and to go and address those needs in the village. And then they came back and they had stories and Jesus sent them out again. And um, until finally they had it all down and then Jesus leaves and then they have that. Would you rather learn I don't know who is the most, um, if you were to say in the world today, alive, a major teacher of scripture, who that is, maybe Max Licato. I know he writes a lot of books or, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, some of these preachers that are on the air that are very, very good. Would you rather learn from them, which is not bad, or would you rather learn from Jesus, like direct source, or would you rather learn from one of the early apostles, disciples of Jesus? We'd want to learn from them because we'd get that firsthand knowledge of, of everything about Jesus, not just the words he taught and the actions that he did, but just how he lived his life. That, so being that kind of teacher, it's not just the head knowledge. It is the full encompassment. You encompass everything about Jesus, how he lived his life, the, the parables that he told. The, the things that he taught, the Sermon on the Mount, how he healed people, and when he went out, what did he do to heal people? I mean, that kind, it's all together in one component of Jesus' teaching. It's not just head knowledge. I think about in history, who are some of the people that I would love to have sat at their feet and listened to? I mean, obviously the disciples, no question. And obviously Jesus, no question. But I look back at some of the Bible teachers in my life, and I'm very, very grateful for them. They have taught me the Bible. I've learned scripture, went to seminary, you know. But even, I think one of the great advantages about going to seminary and living all together on campus, the, many of the professors live on campus, and you get to know them in a way just besides being, being a professor. And, and you get to see how they live their life and what are the kinds of things that they do to demonstrate, you know, the life of Jesus. That is very, very powerful. And it's the same thing true, you know, in a, in a small community setting. If you have somebody teaching, you can actually look at their life and saying, are they reflecting the things that Jesus teaches or is it just head knowledge? And I look back at some of the teachers that I've had and the answer is, I don't really know. <laughs> I think I knew them, you know, up on the, the altar or in the podium or whatever. I kind of intellectually knew the words that they were speaking. But I don't know if I had a necessarily personal relationship where we met every day. And I got to see how they lived their life. And I got to see the demonstration of Jesus, not intellectually, but their whole body and how they lived their life and all that sort of thing. And every once in a while, it would come through, obviously, in a sermon. They would talk about different things that they were doing and kind of show, you know, describe the things that happened in their life. And that's very, very helpful. 
But I think one of the greatest things that you could do is align yourself with the teacher in a setting where you're able to see not only the teachings, but you're able to see how they live their life and how that impacts the world around them. I think that a teacher in a small group, let's say you had a small group of about 10 or 12 people, and you didn't just meet on Sunday morning, but you kind of lived life together, then that teacher could really show you and demonstrate to you what Jesus looks like, if they, if they know. And you go back into history and you look at some of the people that, that were teachers of Jesus Christ, the Apostle John, right? And had all these disciples around him and they kind of just lived life together. And John demonstrated the teachings. He just didn't teach them, but he demonstrated this is what Jesus did. And then he, he brought it to the next layer and the next layer. And then all of a sudden it's 2,000 years later. And I think for a, if I have any complaint about the Christian church today, it's just that, at least in Western culture, is that we think that being a Christian is just having all the head knowledge. And it's like we've never been given the keys to drive the car like Jesus did. And I feel like that would be an important component of following Jesus. In history, I, I'm, the one I keep thinking about is Francis of Assisi. Uh, I don't remember exactly when he lived, but he's the father of the Franciscans. And it was, it was a way of life. He, he said, here's some teachings about Jesus, but I'm also going to teach you how to do the things that Jesus taught. I'm going to show you how to pray. I'm going to show you how to heal. I'm going to show you how to fast. I'm going to show you how to live your life like Jesus did, to model and reflect the rabbi who taught us all of these things. So when I think of a teacher, that's what I think of. Obviously, we think of teachers as just people who give intellectual head knowledge. Like you come to school, you learn the information, you go home, but you know nothing about that teacher. Or there's a teacher that demonstrates that head knowledge by the way they live their life. I have a story about that. When I was a child, I went to a public school first from uh, first grade on to sixth grade. And that's the kind of teaching that I had was basically I would go to school, the teacher would show up in class, give all this information, then we'd both go our separate ways. I knew nothing about those teachers. I knew nothing about their lives. I knew nothing about anything about them. It was just that kind of intellectual association with these teachers. Then in seventh grade, I went to a Lutheran school, and it was totally different. These teachers that were teaching were not only teaching the intellectual stuff, but I got to know them on a level outside of the strictly educational model. And I found that to be extremely life-changing. And as a matter of fact, some of those teachers, believe it or not, I still have a relationship with because it was a very powerful thing in my life. Uh, one of them was the principal of the school who also taught some classes in eighth grade. And he just passed away last year. I went to his funeral because he had such a powerful impact in my life. You know teachers like this. 
I don't know if you, any of you have even had the blessing of having teachers like this, but it's not only that they have the intellectual head knowledge, but, they, but you can see their life and how they're demonstrating. Okay, so if you are a parent, you are the most powerful force of education in your children. Why? Because you tell them things, but then you are also demonstrating in your life what it means to follow these teachings. The most powerful force in any child's life is not the school. It's not the education you might get it from a newspaper. It's not an education you might get from the news. It is from the parent. And so the parent can not only teach the words, but they can demonstrate the words. They can act out what it is. Now, as the child gets older, into high school, into college, and then moves on, who are the forces that are teaching in their life? Well, I would have to say today, with social media, many, many, many of our children, when they get the ability and they're old enough, they're able to log on to and uh, begin to have this type of relation. It's a one-way relationship, but have this style of relationship with, with a player on, on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or I mean, I don't even know all the different social media platforms, but you see our children that they like to lock on to somebody and they say, I want to, I want to be like that person. And so they listen to everything they have to say and they kind of get filled. But the problem is, is that there's never this feedback loop. There's never this one-on-one relationship. It's always a one-on-many relationship. And if that person is not teaching good things or not demonstrating these good things, then it is not necessarily a very good, healthy teaching relationship. And I think one of the things that this society and Christianity has to deal with is how do we deal with all this? If we have voices and teachers out there that are teaching stuff that may not necessarily be in life with the life in line with the life that Jesus wants you to have, how do we compete with that? How do we come alongside of that? How do we take that and still mold it and shape it so that it's a lesson for people that are learning this information? And I don't think we figured that out yet, but we're going to have to figure it out as a church because even starting with my children's generation, they were just right at the cusp of the digital generation. Um, when they went off to college is about when they figured out about all these new social media platforms, high school and college, and started incorporating that into their life. And so this is a whole brand new generation called the digital generation, the millennials and then the digital natives and all that. And we have to figure out how to continue to be a voice in their head about Jesus and how to demonstrate lives. The best way, though, honestly, to teach the way of Jesus is to walk along somebody and be in their life more than just a little bit. Be in their life in a very real and present way and have them see how you live your life, how you enact the words and the actions of Jesus in your life, and they can see that, and then they can grow in their faith by having seen that. It's not just the words. It's the actions. It's the attitude. It's the way. We just finished this Bible study earlier on the Didache, the teachings of the early apostles, and we called it the way. What is the way? It's not just the words of Jesus. It's a way of living your life. 
It's a way of demonstrating God's love in the world. It's a way of healing the world. All that sort of stuff is the non-intellectual side of Christianity. It's a way of life. And if you're going to learn the way of life, try to associate your somebody in a real, real present way with somebody who understands that way of life and observe them and try to do some of the things that they do. That is truly what teaching is all about. So that is, <laughs> that is why when we see here in verse 3 then, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Teaching requires a relationship of trust. If a person has trust in you, they've either been told this is a good teacher or that you've been able to demonstrate, I'm, I'm giving the words and the actions and I'm giving the way of Jesus. If a person now is putting their trust in you, yes, teach me these things, you have incredible power over that person. You could teach them garbage. You could violate them. You could be a bad actor in their life. And when you are a bad actor in their life and you're leading them astray from the way, God is not going to judge you very, very well. When we were in seminary, they used this passage to tell us that we as pastors will be judged more harshly and more strictly by how we lead a congregation. So you better lead the congregation well. And of course, as a, you know, as a pastor, this is something that freaks you out because we don't want to be judged more harshly. We thought that Jesus said that we're all saved and we're all safe in his arms. It's not by anything that we do. It's everything that Jesus does. But Jesus talks about this. If you'll remember in Matthew 18, Jesus asked for a child to come up to him and he, and he blessed the child and he said, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must enter it like this child. And you think, well, what does it mean? I'm going to become small again? No. It's like you've got to put away all the things that you've learned in the world and you have to find a teacher of Jesus and start learning from scratch everything about being a follower of Jesus Christ. And then he goes on and he says, and if you teach something, you cause one of these to stumble, it should not be so. It'll be better that you had a millstone placed around your neck and thrown into the water. In other words, you will be judged more harshly if you teach things that are going to make this child stumble. So Jesus talked about it and James is talking about it. There is, if you're going to be a teacher, there is an aspect of your life that says you can't just say do as I or do as I say and not as I do. No. If you're going to teach the way of Jesus, it needs to be do as I say and do as I do. And then if you're doing, you have to be doing well. You have to be striving to live your life the way Jesus has called you to live, called all of us to live. That is what a true teacher of God's way is. It's not just an intellectual thing. It's also a way of life. Then he goes on. Here, I'll just read this real quickly. He says, we all stumble in many ways, and anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. It's kind of weird. It's like, if you don't stumble, you're perfect. Well, none of us are perfect. We know that from John 1.1. 1, 1. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So, and all have stumbled and fallen short of the glory of God. We know that none of us are perfect. 
But if you are a teacher, you really, really, really should strive to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to demonstrate what he looks like to people around you. And once you get to that point, then you are a teacher. Whether or not you've been classified as a teacher by some denomination or church or whatever, you've gone through some class and say, now I'm a teacher. If you, if you are a mature Christian who hears the words of Jesus and demonstrates the words of Jesus, if you do that well, you are a teacher. And people will see you as a teacher. Whether or not you've been given the title of teacher or not, they will see you as a teacher. And the other thing is they will flock to teachers like that. Because when you can live out the life that Jesus has, then people flock to that. It's irresistible. Especially if they see a life that's that they say, I want to be like that. And you say, well, a teacher would say, I'm, I, you know, I'm just demonstrating the life of Jesus. If you really want to live a life like this, instead of following me, you know, let's work together to help you to become more like Jesus. That's what a teacher is. And uh, those people are able to keep their body in check. It, they are not, they're not the ones that go out and, and you know, actively demonstrate things that are completely against what God is talking about. They're able to control their body, control what they do, and demonstrate the life of Jesus. And, if, and they're going to fail because everybody fails. And when they do, they demonstrate what to do in failure. In failure, we demonstrate that, yes, we failed, but Jesus still loves us. We're still in his kingdom. It's not about us. It's about what he's done. So we pick ourselves up and we move on and we try to grow in our faith with Jesus. That's what a true good teacher does because no teacher is perfect. At least all of them after Jesus are not perfect which includes all of us. So I think we'll probably leave it there. So uh, let's just go ahead and close in prayer. Gracious God, thank you for the blessings of this day. Lord, help us to see the good teachers in our life and thank you for them. May we follow them and learn from them about you. Until we meet again, keep us in your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.